Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, my name is Deidre Guy, and I am the president and founder of the Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada, uh, from here on in to be known as IWSCC, because it's an awful lot shorter to say. We support disabled and veteran entrepreneurs through official certification as diverse suppliers in Canada. Uh, so if you want to know more about supplier diversity, if you have a disability and you own a business, if you're a veteran and you own a business, or a combo of the two, uh, check us out because we can probably give you some great support for your uh, networking. Our show is produced by Pod Supply, and if you're watching this on YouTube, features ASL interpretation sponsored by RBC Royal Bank uh, for 2023 and supplied by Maple Communications Canada. So I'm pretty happy today to be joined with someone that uh, I don't know real well, but as I get to know him each time, we have a good laugh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about him. So Connor, and you know what, Connor, I'm not even sure I'm going to pronounce your last name correctly, but is it Atchison, just as it's spelled? Yeah, that's right. Okay, perfect. Okay, I was thinking, well, what if it's HSN and I've got it all wrong? But anyway, now I've said it both ways. So thank you so much for being here. And just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Connor Atchison, and I'm the CEO and founder of WiseDocs. And uh, the business is uh, based on a, a tech platform that organizes, summarizes, and sorts medical records. So uh, it uses a lot of fancy AI and a, a lot of buzzwords, but it's, it's some pretty interesting stuff to, to help individuals in the claims process. So are these medical records that are on paper or are they also um, electronic? Does it work on both? Do you, are there even medical records on paper much anymore? Funny enough, you, you say that there is actually a lot of organizations that yeah. still have that manual process of paper, um, but really we're our, our software and our platform ingest the the digital and structured format of that that medical record so everything's been scanned and uploaded typically pdf images tiff all the things you really uh don't want to work with because it's uh, so noisy and, and difficult to navigate and i would think you'd have to have a, a decent amount of education or specialization to be able to effectively sort this information so that it gets categorized correctly yeah, there, there's an entire industry around the insurance, the the healthcare system, anything that's touching that medical data um, right. from a back office to a clinician to, you know, a nurse, uh, case managers. Um, there, there's so hmm. many different variabilities on what you're trying to pull from that, that, that record to help the individual uh, claimant or the patient. Right. So... So you talked about health claims and insurance, and, and obviously for what you're doing, I mean, even from my limited knowledge, it seems like medical insurance fields are the this market for what you do. But are there other industries that you get involved with that we might not automatically think of when we when we think of this type of service? Yeah, I think it's really, uh, you know, I, I always say, you know, you want to try to apply it in so many different areas, but really the bread and butter for what we do and where we have the most impact uh, and where we actually can help people the most is anything around that medical record attached to a claim. So that, that okay. could be a claim from an insurer. It could be something you're reviewing at a hospital, um, but anything to do with the claim and the medical record, that's, that's our, our sweet spot and our, our, where we built the business around. Okay. Okay, well, that makes sense. So you recently became a certified supplier with IWSCC, which is our organization that I spoke about earlier. And I'm just curious, I don't often ask people this, and I really should more, maybe we'll do a survey. I'll jot that down for later. But um, so what, what does, like, what led you to IWSCC? And what did supplier diversity 
I guess, what did it mean for you, if you can recall, before you got certified as you were coming to that decision? And then now, since you're certified, has, has that changed at all? Or what was your perspectives? Yeah, I think it was just, uh, you know, it's such a, a fitting certification for us as a culture and an organization. You know, when, when I look back and, and I first started the, the business and there's only a few employees and where it's grown now. Uh, and, and, you know, you really look at the makeup of what that culture is and, and what that team is. And we have over 55% of our workforce being women and 75% employees from diverse backgrounds. And 40% of leadership is in, within that, that demographic as well. And then myself, uh, you know, spending over 12 years in the Canadian Armed Forces, uh, you know, as a service member, veteran, that, that kind of all kind of came together. And it just really emulates who we are as a, as a company and, and a team. And I think it just uh, it's just something great to, to stand behind and, uh, you know, support, but also get that recognition for all the, the hard work that the team's doing and, and how diverse and in- inclusive we actually are. So and, and so have you had an opportunity to get involved with any of the sort of matchmaking opportunities? Have you been reaching out to our corporate members to see how much they want to spend with your company? How's, how's that been going so far? Yeah, so we really just started in the the new year, and right. uh, we're starting to actively get more involved. And I think for us, it's uh, because we are very niche. It's just trying to find you know the right fit, but also then start opening up those channels to say, is there other applications or areas that we could apply the technology? So I think that's exciting, and uh, it's mm-hmm. all it's all fairly new, but it is exciting, and we're uh, we're definitely taking advantage of some of the 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 offerings and uh, the promotions and, and events that you guys are putting on. So you talk about your diverse team, and I was reading the stats. And by the way, there's a 50-30 challenge by the government of Ontario. I don't know if you've seen it, but you might want to look into that and getting that certification. I know it's not quite ready for certification, but the program, the idea is in place and certification is coming. And it has to do with your leadership structure. And you talked about so much of your leadership being women and so mm-hmm. much diversity. So like, why have is this something you did on purpose, first of all, and and if so, why and and how? What you know has it improved your product and your team? What what's the benefits of diversity from your perspective? Yeah, I think uh, you know it, it was never like it was never like set up to say that we have to hit some number or target. And uh, you know, being in the federal government, you know, they've always put really strong initiatives on that, which I think is great. I think it's just a, nat- a natural kind of progress when you have a great culture and you emulate values that that everyone shares in in an an inclusive way it'll attract the right people that want to be a part of that and then in turn that that gives you that diversity so again it was never uh like i look back and you know i think it was like three or four or five of us at the start and we're all male (laughs) and then now it's (laughs) blossomed into this amazing organization with so much out-of-the-box thinking and perspective and different background and I think really that's what charges the the business or any business. And Forbes did an article and uh, they said that with with diversity, you can start seeing companies actually grow by 35% in revenue and have a 70% more likelihood of uh, expanding into larger markets. And we've seen that firsthand. So I'm a big right. champion for, for, for really making a workplace where you can get as many different perspectives and, and eyes on a problem as you possibly can. And that, I think, makes for a great culture, great work environment, and great outcomes as a business. Yeah, I'm on the same mind. I mean, we're a much smaller team at IWSCC, but when we take on a, a venture, like we just had our, our first annual uh, forum for disabled entrepreneurs in, in, in Canada, um, first national, uh, we're going to be doing that on an annual basis. Um 
the whole team sat in on calls repeatedly to just discuss what are our ideas. And for me, because there's a huge age difference between me and our, our youngest team member. Um, and so I like getting that perspective and I learn a lot. So, uh, you know, we're, we have diversity. I'd like to have more diversity with the team, but that includes the team growing. And of course, I'd like to do that also. Um, and so, you know, great organizations such as yourself uh, joining IWSCC, I think is, is beneficial for, for both sides. So, what kind of uh, support do you provide for diverse initiatives outside of the company? Like, is there other things that you're doing outside of your actual work and your internal staffing uh, that you do that are in support of diversity in general? Yeah, so uh, we, we have an employee engagement committee, which we uh, we kicked off this year, uh, and it's, it's fantastic. So uh, the team members basically volunteer and uh, for three months, for a quarter, they'll they'll pick up initiatives or or champion things that are that are really kind of dear to their heart. So in March, uh, you know, it was uh, Women's History Month, and they really tackled that. And we sponsored uh, Girls Who Code. Um, so we really got oh, behind. Yeah. How do we start looking at um, the challenges that women have in tech and in breaking into the tech industry? And I think there's only about thirty percent of the workforce that are female within the tech segment. So, you know, just championing some of these causes and, uh, you know, letting our team and the uh, engagement committee really like speak on that, promote it, you know, thought leadership behind it. And then every quarter we're, we're doing something similar. And I think that's amazing because it not only gives, um, you know, the, the team the opportunity to, to speak about what they're really focused on and, and what they care about, but it also gives that education across the entire organization that Maybe we weren't aware of that, right? Some people yeah. aren't aware of these stats and and the barriers to, to 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 entry. So I think that's really important when you can actually get that at, at a root level internally, and then you can really emulate that externally. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like you're walking you're walking your talk, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to do anything within the disability sector, let me know. I can connect you with some good organizations. And I, I suppose you're probably well connected on your own in the veteran sector. But uh, with disability, I'm happy to to encourage some of that same type of, uh, you know, outreach for that community. Um, as we do our research on supplier diversity and including disabled and veteran businesses within people, uh, supply chains, we see that they're buying veterans and people with disabilities are buying for last and second last place in, in every research in terms of representation. So I think the more that we can just talk about these two great communities, which of course is largely what I do all day long, um, yes. makes it makes a big difference and is going to help to move that uh, up the, I mean, I don't want to displace the other groups, but I kind of, you know, I'd like to be a little higher than last and second last, but I'm happy to be included. Uh, so you're, as you mentioned before, a veteran, you're a founder of this company. Uh, I've read and listened to some of the things that you've said about how being a veteran really sort of facilitated and, and led you, prepared you to become the founder of a startup. And obviously you're much uh, further along than a startup now. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know, what, what you learned, the skills you learned uh, in the military. And then also, I think a little bit about um, what you learned in the military and why that led you directly to the type of work that you do with Wysox. I'd love to hear about both of those things. Yeah, no, great question. And uh, I think really uh, veterans and, uh, you know, uh, military members have a, a unique skill set through the years of their training and, and, and cross training. And the adaptability, I think, is really critical and perseverance. So, you know, it's it's quite a natural thing, um, or it was, that entrepreneurship is is kind of the go-to after after your time in service. 
I mean, you can look at the stats, you know, post-World War II, over 50% of businesses were veteran-owned. Now it's five or less than 5%, which, which is really interesting. And, and you can start asking, you know, more critical questions. What is happening, right? What, what has made that change? Um, but I think at the core, you know, what the military instills, you know, it's a, it's a time-tested uh, organization for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it's these skill sets and the camaraderie and the values, I think, that really builds great culture, great community, uh, great teams, and great problem solving. And and I think that's really where I jumped off the... Uh, uh, the the ledge there to try to go after something like you know such a big undertaking because I just had that that drive that determination and the skill sets that I learned uh, while while I was in uh, serving with the Canadian Forces so um, you know it's it's a great opportunity and uh, I'm really thankful for that and that's lo- led me to to tackle it um, mm. but really it was more uh, in the space it, it had to do with uh, my time with health services and I just seen how difficult it was to process a, a claim for disability. And you had ill and injured members waiting months, if not years, before they were actually honorably discharged from, from medical-related injuries, occupational stress injuries, combat-related injuries. Um, and uh, that's really hard on them, right? They're, they're trying so, to transition to a civilian life, and, and it's, it's a tough process. So they ha- Okay, so let me see if I've got this straight, because I think, I think I'm wrong. Um, so they were, they were living and still in the military actively with a disability, waiting to get discharged. Is that correct? That is yeah, correct. So that, that's correct. So there, there's a process. Like, so the medical record has to be reviewed um, right. to understand the, the, the state of disability or, or the, the state of the injury. Right. And that takes quite a while because it is a process. There, there's multiple file reviews. There's clinicians looking at uh, medical histories. Um, and then Veterans Affairs is involved. So, you know, it, it is a process um, and it, it can it can be a long one. Um, mine, uh, before I was uh, uh, released, was over 18 months. So oh. you're, you, you kind of go into a process of limbo and you're, you're, you're kind of waiting to say, well, am I in or am I transitioning as a civilian? And, uh, you know, the military does a great job of, of getting that training and that education, um, but it is a tough process. And that's really wanted to solve. Like, how can we speed up that file review? How can we give a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of years back to that individual so that they can get on with their life and, and have mm-hmm. that autonomy. Because I would think that sitting in limbo would, would lead to a progressed disability, for example, especially if they don't necessarily have access to, to medical support. Uh, and, and in particular, if it's a, a mental health disability or invisible disabilities, you know, I would think that that, that waiting time would, would exacerbate certain types of disabilities. Let's just put it that way. So, so what you're doing with WiseDoc speeds that whole type of process right up. Yeah, and I would say it's, um, we're not we're not specifically within uh, Veterans Affairs, but like you know, you can look at the insurance short-term and long-term disability in the same same categorization. Yeah, I'm sure. So we're helping a yeah. lot of the carriers in that way. Yeah, and the claimants. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So. Tell us a little bit about your transition from military service to civilian life. Um, like, did you know while you were still, like before you released, did you know that you were going to be starting a business and did you know that it would be this type of business? How did that all work <laughs> out for you? Your laughing's making I, me laugh. <laughs> I had no clue. I was like, it, it really came to a point where, okay, w- what's next? And, uh, 
again, you know, to, to, to give credit where credit's deserved, the, the military does a great job on retraining and vo- voc rehab, um, on the job training, uh, education. So, um, you know, very thankful for those opportunities. So I think it's, it's really when I was in that kind of transition phase, it was, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I just seen this really big problem around, you know, the medical record and like, how can we improve it? Um, how, to, how can we make decisions faster? I really had a passion for that and uh, completing my master's in health administration. You know, it really kind of drove me down that path. And uh, I took the leap. Uh, I thought it was absolutely crazy. Um, but, I, but I looked at it and I remember having a conversation with my father and he said, you can always go back and get a job. You, you're going to look back 10 years from now and say, I wish I took that shot. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And uh, I'm very thankful I did. So had you tried to get a job? I had not. That was the process. So, and that was daunting too. I remember looking at, you know, yeah. I was, uh, there was a lot of uh, support through uh, the transition process where they, you know, they help craft your resumes and try to like place you and look at different things like that. But, you know, it, it's really tough in that environment where it's like, well, I don't really want to be relegated to, to work that I don't want to do, um, mm-hmm. where it's very entry level and, and the skill sets are, aren't really tied or matched. And, I see that a lot with a lot of fellow uh, veterans and, and, and colleagues that they're highly, highly trained, highly skilled, and it's really difficult for them to find the right job. Um, and that's why I'm employing veterans in tech uh, with no tech experience, and I'm proud yeah. of that. So you got to really open those doors. And I think that daunting barrier, um, it's really tough to say, like, I'm going to take a leap of faith. Uh, or I can just go and, and it's stable, right? I can find a job yeah. that I may not like, it may not match my skill set, and I have so yeah. much more to offer, but what, what, are my, what, are, what are my options, right? So. Yeah. When I started this organization, I just knew that it needed to be started. I really didn't know much about it. Uh, and uh, I laugh at myself now when I think about all the things I thought were happening, would, would happen, and, and actually how it did happen. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um and so I started the organization recognizing the gap for folks with disabilities and understanding that there was an organization or several organizations in the States that support veterans in the same way. Uh, I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me to put the two together. I was asked by a number of the corporate uh, members that we work with, if, would I consider it? So I did, I did some, I don't want to call it research. I looked around on the internet for quite a while and I thought, okay, this does make sense. A high percentage of veterans do have disabilities, whether they're visible or invisible. Um, And then I started to learn about the veteran experience and I started to learn about just how difficult it is. And of course, it all makes sense once you know, but before you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I I started to learn about how how absolutely impossible it is for many veterans to be able to take everything that they did and put it down in a resume format that large, you know, that anyone's really going to understand. How does the, how does the veteran take that terminology, that military terminology and turn it into corporate speak? Uh, And so that's a really big struggle if I understand correctly. And obviously you would know better than I, have you seen folks go through that type of struggle that maybe didn't choose entrepreneurship or, or maybe go through that struggle and then choose entrepreneurship? What's your experience there? Yeah, I, I've, I've seen it. Like, I've, I've actually really close colleagues, and, and that's why I, I've kind of put it, uh, you know, uh, veteran-centric hiring approaches, too, to give those opportunities where you may not have tech experience, but I want to try to give you the opportunities to, like, get into these new industries. And I find the U.S. Uh, definitely has much better programs in place. You know, you have Oracle, Goldman Sachs, Boeing, and they're, they're not looking for that, you know, textbook resume. 
They're looking at, you know, your, your skill sets that are maybe indirect that can be applied because it's all those things I talked about before, like great work ethic, discipline, mm-hmm. uh, perseverance, ability to problem solve. And I think that's often really uh, understated and, and not emphasized enough from the Canadian side of the border. And, um, you know, I think it does have a toll. And I've seen it first firsthand on a number of colleagues. Um, they actually are heading to the U.S. They're waiting for their visas. They're not they're not staying in Canada because the jobs aren't there uh, where they can get higher paying, more skilled yeah. jobs in the U.S. that have offerings. So um, I'm not speaking anecdotally. I'm, I'm saying that's a fact. Like I actually yeah. can count a number of my, my friends and colleagues that are doing that right now, which is a shame. Um, yeah. yeah, it is a shame for sure. So. You've talked a little bit about hiring veterans that don't necessarily have tech experience. Um, and so I'm just wondering, are there, maybe tell us a little bit more about that, but are, are there other ways that you're supporting veterans currently? And, and do you have sort of plans to do more support for veterans in the, in the future? And, and you're, you're actually the statistic that I often refer to when I talk to procurement uh, people in the large purchasing organizations that IWSCC has as corporate members. And I talked to them about the decision-making process and how much making the decision to work with a veteran or a disabled organization has like this snowball effect on the economy because many mm-hmm. times folks with disabilities as well as veterans will go ahead and either hire folks within their community or um, subcontract, you know, their supply chain becomes more veterans, more people with disabilities. And so I, I try to help them understand that just making your making this choice, this little choice seems like a small thing to you, but it's mm-hmm. turning into this fantastic economic snowball that's supporting these communities so well. And so you're you're just a, the advertisement for that. I just want to bring you along and show you every time, every time I have that conversation. And, and also if I can, I'm you're the one supposed to be talking here. But when you're talking about the, the qualities of veterans, I, I love how much those also are qualities of folks with disabilities. I mean, you yeah. talked about the teamwork experience and, and, and that leadership thing that may not necessarily fall into the realm of the experience of, of entrepreneurs with disabilities, but all those other things you're talking about, problem, sh- uh, problem solving and troubleshooting and what I like to call like bounce back ability and over, under, around and through, like that perspective, I think that exists within both of these communities, which once again, makes me happy in the decision that I made to align the two. So when it comes to bringing on veterans within your business community, be it employees or supply chain, what are what are you doing? You mentioned them uh, hiring folks that aren't on paper qualified for that. How's that going? And what, what else are you thinking to do? Well, it's 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 phenomenal. Like when you look at individuals that have no tech background, but they've they've spent their entire careers decade plus you know, dealing with very complex equipment, complex tasks, um, you know, just the, the ability to adapt and learn something so quickly, it, it's phenomenal. And I think it goes back to what you're saying is like, you know, anyone from a disability, from a veteran community, anyone who's marginalized, the, the barrier there pushes you harder and faster to prove that you can do it. And I think, yeah. you know, and I commend that because, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. The hard, the hard things uh, actually kind of forge you and make you go faster and, and really test your grit. So I've seen that firsthand. And really what I'm trying to do, not only from the hiring perspective, but just become, um, you know, more advocacy, more thought leadership, start working with a lot of programs uh, that help veterans, you know, partnerships. So that's on the horizon that we really want to um, kind of push forward. Like, you know, is there internships? Is there ways that we can get more involved in the communities and, and really try to 
get the voice heard for those that, that need to speak um, and, and just keep building really good teams. And that knock on effects there, you know, it's uh, the, the loyalty and the dedication when you give someone that opportunity that they've always been told, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't put that even into words, the, the dedication that you get. It's a, it's a hundredfold. Um, it's, it's quite amazing, actually. Yeah, I think when you let people sort of just you plant them and give them a bit of water and then let them bloom, I'm always impressed uh, and happily surprised uh, by the people that I work with. And I, I, I always hear folks my age, and I'm I'm almost sixty, and I hear them talking about oh these you know generation this and millennials that, and nobody wants to work anymore. And I think well, that is just not my experience. Like you know, I think perhaps you need to have another look around because it's just. I, we find the same thing in every age category, the same behaviors and the same attitudes. But, um, but you know, I think that it's really that type of diversity is, is super important from an age perspective. And, and obviously, in our case, uh, include those veterans and folks with disabilities in your world and within your supply chain. So I've, I've enjoyed our conversation. Um, and again, thanks so much for being here. I, I just want to ask, and this is always the question that I kind of end with is like a genie in, uh, in the bottle. So you're touring along on the on the veteran beach and you see a, a veteran genie pop up and he's like, okay, Connor, you have one wish for veterans in Canada and their circumstance, whether it's military transition, whatever it may be. What would, what would, you, what would you change? What would your wish be to help in that whole veteran cir- circumstance area? <laughs> that's a really good one. It's uh, that's a very <laughs> complex question. I know it is, uh, <laughs> but I, I really think it goes back to the the value of the business and and why we started it and why our team um, believes in what we're doing. Uh, it's just it's really just trying to help that individual get autonomy, ha- have have a voice, mm-hmm. have autonomy, get through the process quicker, and just live a really uh, fulfilled life. And I think that's the thing: disability and and barriers really can retract from that. And I think mm-hmm. that that well-being is the key. So if, if we can help in that one little piece, I don't think the 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 wish would solve all problems. But if if I could say, hey, we can speed this entire process up end to end, and every veteran coming out of the service can apply their skill sets and be have a purposeful and fulfilled life doing that, then uh, that would be uh, an amazing achievement. Yeah, that's I love that answer. Actually, uh, autonomy. I think it's so important. Um, and and again, in in talking with uh, veteran business owners and learning what each each of them has a little bit of a different e- e- uh, experience transitioning. Uh, and I had someone say to me when I, I've had this two different uh, very highly placed veterans um, say to me. When I released, I didn't even know how to get healthcare. I was so used to just walking down the hall and then going and getting, you know, doctor here, go pick up my pills there, you know, and I'm gone. It's all within the same small building. And now someone's handing me a card and telling me that I have to. And and another one said, I knew that I I had an appointment, like that I had, you know, I needed to go see the doctor, but I didn't actually call to make the appointment. I just assumed someone else was going to do that and tell me when it was. And so, and and so her family was laughing at her because they're like, come on, mom, like, you you know, (laughs) you have to do this yourself. And so it just helps me to really recognize that there's such a difference in in terms of, uh, you know, military life and civilian life. Uh, And I think that autonomy thing is a really solid answer and something that is achievable 
really. Yeah. And, and of course, by the way that you're doing it, uh, that you're just getting us one step closer to that. So, so I thank you for the work that you're doing. I'm super happy that you're part of the IWSCC community and, and looking forward to you guys getting involved a little bit more and, and seeing your face more and more. I, I'm really interested to see the direction that WiseDocs goes. Uh, I was happy to hear that you're considering maybe taking on different types of, of work within you know the same structure of what you do with yeah. the documents. So I'm excited to see where things move forward uh, for you in the next three to five years. So thanks again, Connor, for being here. Thanks so much. I really had a great time. Yeah, me too. And uh, we'll have to do it again. And we'll do it again next year. We'll see what's changed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here, as I mentioned. And thanks, everyone, uh, for watching and joining us today. For more information about supplier diversity and inclusion and all the things that we've talked about, veteran and, and uh, entrepreneurs and disabled entrepreneurs, uh, go to our website at www.iwscc.ca. You can find us on YouTube, uh, these podcasts, or listen in on your favorite podcast podcast platform. So thank you again to Pod Supply, uh, Maple Communications Canada for providing our ASL, and of course, RBC for sponsoring 2023 IWSCC's ASL communication. And, uh, and last but not least, uh, Connor for being here. Have a good day, everyone.